You're listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers from mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 90. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Matt Coyle, who is the author of the best-selling Rick Cahill crime novels. Although he wanted to be a crime writer when he was 14 after reading Raymond Chandler, his foray into crime fiction took about 30 years in the making. He spent uh, that time managing a restaurant and in sales while writing at night. His debut novel, Yesterday's Echo, was published in 2013 and won the Anthony Award for Best First Novel, the San Diego Book Award for Best Mystery, and the Ben Franklin Award for Best New Voice in Fiction. Matt's second book, Night Tremors, was a bookreporter.com reviewer's favorite book of 2015 and was an Anthony, Seamus, and Lefty Award finalist. His latest novel, Lost Tomorrows, is the sixth book in the Rick Cahill series and was published in December of 2019. Before we get to meet Matt Coyle, I wanted to let you know about a special promotion from Audible. Audible is uh, running a President's Day event where you can save 46% by getting four months of an Audible membership for just $7.95 per month. The offer ends on February 18th, 2020. So check it out at thrillingreads.com forward slash audible46. This is a great way to get an awesome deal and to help support the podcast by heading on over to thrillingreads.com forward slash audible46. Coming up is my interview with Matt Coyle. How are you doing, Matt? Good, Alan. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your background? Oh, I didn't know I'd be talking about boring stuff up front. Um, <laughs> well, I spent how many years? I spent 10 years in the restaurant business and then uh, 10 years in the golf business and then uh, 16 years in the sports licensing business. Uh, the last, or actually about the last 10 of which, I was uh, writing novels as I was working full-time in the sports licensing business. It took me uh, 10 years to get published, I'd say, from floppy disk until, uh, that's how long ago it started, uh, until publication. So did you always wanted to be a, an author since like you were younger? I did. It took me, unfortunately, about 30 years to figure out you had to write to become a, a published author. So uh, that was the hard part. Yeah, I always wanted. I, I read uh, true crime, not true crime. I read crime as a kid. Uh, Raymond Chandler, Ross McDonald, going way back. Um, Lawrence Sanders. Uh, I actually started with uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and um, Agatha Christie before I got into the harder stuff. Uh, so I, I always knew that I wanted to write, and I knew I wanted to write crime. But um, and I even got a degree in English in college. But um, yeah, like I said, uh, you have to actually sit your butt in the chair and write to, to get something done. It took me a while to figure that out. And what was the first, uh, what drove you to sit down and, and, and give it a shot finally? Uh, guilt. Um, you know, I, I had that degree. Now, what do you do with a degree in English? Maybe teach, maybe go and get a law degree. And so I, I got a job in a restaurant out of college of my four-year degree in English. But I told people that, you know, I was going to be a writer. That was the thing. So, you know, just wait. I'm going to be a writer. All the, long, all the while, I'm writing very little. And so this went on for years, decades. And I'd, I'd, I'd worked for four golf companies in 10 years, and I'd seen them either all go out of business or change with new ownership into a whole different uh, kind of entity. So I was working for this company called Carbite, and I saw that the writing on the wall was about to go under. And I said... I was 43 at the time. I said, this is it. Um, when this thing goes down, you got to write a book or stop talking about it and go and get a real career instead of just going from job to job. 
And sure enough, the the company went out of business, and I had a little money saved up. And in uh, I think about five and a half months, I wrote what I thought was a book, but was really a first draft of what would years later become my first novel, um, Yesterday's Echo. So that was guilt. I, I, I drew a line in the sand. You have to do it, or you can't talk about it anymore. You got to go do something else. And so, you first the, the first one that you attempted to write was these uh, the Rick K, the Rick Cahill series. Yeah, it ended up becoming an actual book, but it took, uh, like I said, 10, 11 years yeah. <laughs> for it to be good enough to be published. And so can you tell us about the Rick Cahill? Sure. Rick, uh, this is uh, the book that just came out, Lost Tomorrows, is uh, book number six in the series. But he is a disgraced ex-cop who now, as this book comes out, is 14 years after the fact of his wife being murdered when he was a cop up in Santa Barbara. I live in San Diego. Um, and he was arrested for her murder, but never tried. He was released, but never exonerated until all the way up into this book. He's still uh, the six books. He's still a, a main person of interest in her death. Um, so he's had that dark cloud hanging over his head after he got booted. And even though he wasn't tried or uh, yeah, he wasn't, he was released, never tried as a cop. He did end up losing his job. They got rid of him up in Santa Barbara. So he came back to his hometown of San Diego where he worked in a restaurant that he worked in as a kid for a year. And then he became, that's the first book, Yesterday's Echo. And then he um, he became a private investigator to get kind of back to his somewhat law and order roots. And that's, that's where he's been now about five and a half years as, or six years as Lost Tomorrow's opens up. So this guy's got a dark cloud over his head. Yeah, so the, through the whole series, yeah, because I, I read a little bit about the Last Tomorrow's. I haven't finished it yet, but uh, I see that's kind of the um, he's got some some issues. <laughs> Definitely has issues. Yeah, he's a complicated, dark guy. And are you continuing to write on this series? Do you expect more books out? Well, I just turned in book seven. Uh, I'm not going to say what it's about because I want people to read yesterday's or read Lost Tomorrow's and, and find out what might come next. But with Lost Tomorrow, the, the whole impetus for this guy's character has been the death of his wife, which happened in the backstory to the first book, Yesterday's Echo. It never even was on the page. It was always a backstory. But it's been the impetus for him, for his, his, his drive as a private investigator to try to get to the truth, to try to redeem himself. Whether he killed his wife or not, he feels responsible for his murder. So every case he takes or every one I write about. He, he, there's, he has some more than just a, a professional interest in, in finding the truth. He's got an emotional tug to help him find the truth in all of his cases. So when he goes back to Santa Barbara in Lost Tomorrows under the auspices of um, paying his respects to his former training officer and partner on the Santa Barbara Police Force who was killed in a hit-and-run uh, car accident, he ends up investigating that situation at the auspices of uh, his former partner's sister. And along those lines, he ends up uh, investigating the truth about how, what happened to his wife. So how, what's your writing process like then? Do you like uh, plan these out before you sit down to write them or do you outline? Or? The writing process is very messed up. I don't outline. I, I, uh, I try to outline, I think, in one of the, one of the uh, revisions of Yesterday's Echo. Um, for me, it, it just kind of, uh, stunts me. I mean, I really gave it a hard try. Um, I do have an, I have a kind of a skeletal thing where I obviously I have an inciting incident and I have, uh, I know where the end is 
pretty much, you know, somebody's going to die. Somebody has to, you have to solve the crime. There's a lot of stuff that happens in between. So I'd see the finish line. I mean, I don't know exactly. It may be a little foggy, but I know A, and I know where Z is, and I just have to collect, uh, connect the dots going along. And I let, um, really let the characters kind of guide me there. I, I, I try to put Rick under as much pressure as possible, try to make, uh, force him to do things he doesn't want to do and, and the, uh, under the, um, you know, the, I'll say auspices again of solving a crime. Um, so constantly putting him under pressure and then, but so the, the, uh, plot kind of comes from the decisions he's forced to make. If that makes any sense. Obviously there's, there's crime involved, there's influences involved, but so from that, there's kind of a skeleton and then things fill in for me. It's kind of a mess, but it seems to be working. Yes. Yeah. You said you just got seven books down, so it seems to be working. All right. Yeah, and so the stories. Um, I know this is the cliche question for uh, asking authors in interviews, but where do you get your ideas? You know, everybody always. I've been on a lot of panels where the panelists are getting talking beforehand and hoping that no one asks that question. I think it's a <laughs> fine question. Yeah. I think it makes perfect it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I am um, curious about it. I mean, where do, where do people get yeah. their ideas? Yeah, I think it's I think it's the mo- really important question for the first book. I'd had this idea in my head for so long about writing about this a character. I didn't know who he was exactly that some character with some dark past probably been an, he probably was going to be an ex cop. Um, not that I ever was, but there's some law enforcement in my extended family. And as I started to write the book, I realized it was getting dark. It was going to get darker and darker. The more I got away from my own life experiences. So I, that, that one has just sort of been around for a while that the idea of this character, some darkness and as i started to write the book the darkness filled in but for uh the second book i actually had um the idea came from from uh, like 48 hours or dateline or, or you know put together there was a story about this was uh night tremors my second book there was a story they were doing for years about this kid i think he was about 17 when he was arrested for his parents murder i think it was in pennsylvania or somewhere uh, in the northeast and there, of course, there's always a point of view on 48 Hours or Dateline. And the point of view was this guy was innocent, and you're watching this, you're watching the the shows, and and they would they would update it every year. Every year you go back to this guy, he's still in prison, still hasn't gotten out. And uh, that from that idea um, came a story that was a lot different than um, than the re- in real life. But in real life, after watching this poor guy's progress for five or six years, he eventually did get out. But so that was really the only um, only book that came from something very specific <clears throat> in real life. <clears throat> the other ones are, like I said, I try to put Rick in a situation where he has to battle his own t- internal darkness. And so uh, from there, somewhere from there, I find an inciting incident. There may be something in the newspaper, like in Blood Truth, there was uh, a little bit about uh, real estate in San Diego and... Um, kind of the some darkness and machinations in that which is sort of a subplot but um i really most of the stories really come internally is what can i how can i put this guy under pressure um if that answers your question at all mm-hmm. yeah. as his you know as his story progresses things make sense to the obstacles that are put in front of him make sense as his journey goes along so it, even though it seems kind of you know woo woo wooey kind of falls and things sort of fall in place like for him going to for him to going to santa barbara and finally i knew when i was writing the first book when i realized i was writing a series 
that he was eventually going to have to solve the crime of what happened to his wife. This thing had to be answered to be to be uh, a fair to my my readers. And so that book six, um, Lost Tomorrows, yeah, I, I knew at some point I was going to have to write this book. So that definitely was something, you know, things fall into place that way as the guy's journey progresses. Yeah, so like every every book is a standalone, but there's a, the overarching, uh, the arc is the uh, the wife's uh, murder in the background? Yeah, I would say there's, uh, there's always, I'm always happy when a uh, reviewer says you can read as a standalone because I don't write them uh, episodically like you watch on Law and Order where everything's, everything's cleared up. The crime's the thing. It's more his, 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 uh, his journey through life is the thing for me. And there is baggage that carries over, but it's a very delicate dance that I try to go through with each book. That for me, that's the hardest thing is how much do I tell for new readers and how much do I, um, go forward with this story without spoiling it for uh, new readers and boring old readers. So that is always one of my main concerns, but, um, yes, each, each story in itself is, you know, is a, a single, single story, single problem with a lot of mm-hmm. subplots but um and this one lost tomorrows is actually more um standalone than any of the books i'd written which is kind of funny because i didn't intend to write it that way but it is new readers get a little bit of the backstory old readers learn some new things about uh calling and rick's relationship the only uh thing that new readers would might find interesting is is rick's um the darkness of him and they had been along for the journey the whole way that can be um shocking to some but actually i've been very happy with uh reviewers who hadn't read me before um saying they you know it worked for them so and how long do you plan to write these uh the rick cahill novels do you have you just, i know you just had it in your seven do you are you going to continue on with the series i can't say <laughs> I can't. I wish I don't want to be a jerk about it, but no, I, no, I'm, no, gonna leave that, I'm, I'm gonna leave that open. I did. I just turned in. I just turned in the seventh book, and I, uh, that I've written, and I'm. I have to start writing a, an eighth book for my publisher, as I'm under contract. But um, so we shall see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is that, so you got seven books under your belt. Um, what's as you're getting these more, writing these more books, does your process become? Does, is it the same? Is it easier? Does it get harder? It's awful. Um, <laughs> you would think. You would think that I, I yeah, I could, you know, I just turned in seven, so I've done this thing seven times. You would think it'd be easier, but um, it actually, or or at least uh, more structured. And for me, it's less structured, uh, which is bizarre. Um, I, you call it when you're. Uh, messy like I am, uh, you call it organic. It's more organic, which sounds much better. Um, no, I don't. It, it's uh, it's a lot hazier. It's a lot fuzzier. Um, and even uh, especially the, the book I just turned in was very difficult to write for a number of reasons. But yeah, I get in the middle. I get kind of I thinking I don't know how to do this anymore. I'm a fraud. You know, I don't know why anybody ever ever read me before because I clearly don't know how to write. And um, then I say, well, you know, you've done this before. Just keep going through. How bad can it be? Because as I'm writing a book, I think they're all pretty bad. And then at the end, I read them the first draft through, and I go, you know, it's not that bad. And then revise, 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 and it gets to be, I think it's pretty good. And by the time the book comes out, I'm thinking, this is the damn best book I've ever written. But my process, I'll tell you a little bit, something, uh, my subconscious is really uh, an important force in my writing, which sounds kind of stupid, but I believe in it. Um, and I'm not the kind of a 
woo-woo kind of guy. Uh, things kind of fill in. Like the in yesterday's Echo, my first book, I was kind of I was going along. I didn't know what I was doing. I was writing a book, and it was very autobiographical, which was pretty boring. Nobody really wanted to read about my life. Um, and then uh, a phrase came out of the ether to me, which was the first time I saw her, she made me remember and she made me forget. So I realized with that phrase, there was a lot more darkness and pain in this guy's life than I'd been writing. And that sort of set me along the path I needed to go further away from my own life story. And as I'll be writing now, I call it dropping anchor. Something will come to me from my subconscious in a scene. And I'll put it in there and it might, might, might it may not make sense or which reaction to it may not make sense right away. And I don't worry about it. I just go keep going forward. And then it may, by the end of the, the writing session, I may come to understand it in maybe a couple of weeks down the line. And usually these anchors um, give the meaning more, uh, give the book more meaning than I, I understood. It kind of brings things together for me. But there are times when uh, they don't make sense and I have to pull them up. I call it pulling, pulling anchors, pulling up anchors. But um, generally, I would say 90% of the time, these things that come out of the ether, my subconscious, do make the book better. So I learn to trust them. Like I said, it's not 100. percent And when you're writing these, when you're writing the book, do you like uh, set the like word count goals or chapter goals, or to keep you going forward? I do set word count goals. Um, of course, uh, as you're writing a book, you think um, you know you got a lot of time. You know you don't get your you don't hit your word count for the first. You know maybe once uh, every week you'll hit that day's word count. Because you know, I'll start with maybe a thousand words. That's my uh, goal. And like I said, when I'm beginning the book, maybe once a week I'll hit that, and I'll think, eh, you know, I got plenty of time. Then all of a sudden, you're, you know, four months out from the deadline, you realize you got to finish this first draft so you can revise. And then the word counts can go up to a couple thousand, and uh, they're much more adhered to. So um, yeah, I do have specific counts. I mean, it's not a it's not a hobby; it's a job, and. Um, invariably you know um they get bigger as i go <laughs> <laughs> like like cramming for an exam in college huh? <laughs> exactly exactly and i tell myself every time i'm gonna be much better about it this time but it's sort of the way the process works and i and and for one thing i realized that i sort of i'm not sitting there not doing anything i am sitting at a keyboard and i am you know tapping out a few words but i realized that through all this time comes a better understanding for the book for me. Um, so the, the time is well used somehow in my brain, but it's always a crunch to get it done in time at the end. Do you put, do a lot of uh, research beforehand? I generally, I'm not, a, it, this is another, another rarity is I'm not a big fan of research. Um, I know a lot of mystery authors are, um, I do what I need to do. I do more than I need to do, of course, because you need to find that one, those one or two nuggets that give your work some veracity that shows you what you're writing about, you know, a little bit about it, but, um, I try not to get too lost in it and I certainly don't want to be a data dump on it. But, um, I, you know, I, I work, I have a certain people I go to for certain things. There's a buddy of mine, David Putnam, who's a author, also an author. He's a former sheriff's deputy. I get a lot of law enforcement stuff from him. I'll go, I have lawyer friends. Um, you know, you can look up on, you, you can search and find people. It seems people are always really happy to help, which is funny because you can't give them anything. Um, I remember I was a Navy SEAL for my uh, third book, um, Dark Fishers. I needed to talk to a SEAL about SEAL life and, 
and I, I, I'd seen this guy on television. He was selling a product, and so it took me a long time to, to pin him down for him to actually talk to me. And uh, after he gave me some really good information, some just a little nu- the exact little nuggets I need to show that you know these guys are real seals. At the end, like I always say, I say, um, hey, you know, I, I can't give you anything, but I would love to put your name in my acknowledgments. And if you like it, even mention your business. So the 14 people that read the book, maybe they'll have some interest. And he goes, no, no, you can't use my name. Don't do that. No, I don't want, no, I don't want my name. And um, the only other person, there was two other people. One was a, uh, um, a banker. <laughs> and it wasn't, I was just getting um, safe deposit information from her um, and how certain things could work. Um, you know, if, it, if, if one was, uh, um, law, not lost, but that someone had died, no one claimed it for years. So she gave me some great stuff. And then at the end I said, well, you know, once again, I gave her a spiel and she goes, no, no, don't use my name. <laughs> I'm wondering, it wasn't anything, it wasn't anything dark at all. And the other one was a, just the one I just wrote was a cop in Santa Barbara. He just said, no, don't worry about it. Um, you know, so, um, but everybody else is very helpful. People are always really, and, and these people were helpful as well. They just didn't want acknowledgement, but. It's funny, and I don't know if you found it as well, is that people just really are eager to help. It's it's really great when you go out there and look. But I don't, I try I don't get I try not to get lost in it. Yeah. So what's a so so what's your favorite part of of being a writer of of writing these books? I like writing the end after even though there's never a the end. I like writing the end at the end of the first draft. I would say having having days where where you sit down and, and like I said, I don't really outline and so days where you sit down and I have nothing for an hour, hour and a half. But I'm, once again, I'm going through the process of you're a fake, you're a fraud, you know what you're doing. And then you start to, some starts to bubble up and, and um, you end up I, days like that. Sometimes, not always, I can have the most productive days that um, I, I ever have. I'll, I'll do a thousand words in an hour and a half because if you just stay the course, I think staying the course, um, is 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 really it's really important for anybody out there who's thinking about writing because it, because it's a it's it's hard it's not easy it, a couple of days may be easy oh I got a great idea for a book and then okay now you got a 300 pages of uh, to figure out what else happens so I would say um, the hard days are probably the most rewarding if the funny thing is um, as I'm going out in the second half of my tour starting tomorrow I'll go into Romans and Pasadena and then up to Chaucer's and Santa Barbara. Um, is that I really enjoy the um, the signings and the events, and I'm sort of a I'm not a sometimes uh, socially I won't say shy but um, a loner. Let's go with loner. Um, and I but I did know when I started this career that I would have to get out in front of the public. And you know, a public speaking is still a, a difficult thing to do. It's it's one of the most feared things of uh, everybody, I think. And I still get nervous before I do it. But I found out that I really enjoy it. I definitely enjoy the um, Q and A with with leaders. That's my favorite part. But I, I do enjoy getting in front of, uh, of audiences and talking about books and stuff. Um, I'm not gonna say it's my favorite thing, but that's probably the thing that surprised me the most that I do enjoy. Yeah, I was listening that on your on your website. That's a uh, you're hitting a lot of uh, spots. So how long how long are you on the road for? Well, I did. When you have a December book, I don't know if you've ever had a December book, but it's it's not a great. It's a good time for um, it's for sales generally, you know, Christmas gifts and all that. But it's not a great time for touring because the bookstores really after the first week they don't want anything to do with you. So my last three books I think have come out in December. So I'll do a pre-launch at Mysterious Galaxy in San Diego uh, when I get when books are available, like mid to late November, and then I'll do Warwick's in La Jolla the first week, and I'll do 
book carnival up in orange county and then i'll do um poison pen in uh scottsdale and that'll, that'll probably that'll be just about it maybe some things i'll fill in for december and then i wait and then i go on my second tour um starting now this week in january and i'll hit like i said the other two stores i'm going to hit uh uh, Murder by the Book in Houston and uh, Book People in Austin. And then some library things fill in. I'm going to do a book catapult in San Diego. Um, so it's kind of a, it's a double, it's a two tour thing, but um, I'm always trying to add, I, I add new places. And I haven't been, uh, Chaucer's will be a new one for me because this book takes place in Santa Barbara, but um, I'm always looking to go to different places, but then, you know, it's self tour, it's self funded tours. So I have to, you know, be smart about things. And so now you mentioned that you were a fan of, of writing, of, of re I mean, of reading a crime fiction be before you even started writing it. Do you still find time to read or are you too busy now with the... Well, I do. Well, I do. Um, I actually have a podcast too called Crime Corner or I only do it, um, I do it live. I only do it a couple times a month. Um, it's on the Authors on the Air uh, Global Radio Network. Um, so I'm, I'm reading people's books a lot cause I, I generally have mystery authors on, although I've had some, I've had some true crime on and I, and I want to get into a little bit of, uh, like true crime on TV when I get the chance. But so I am reading for that. I just love the genre. I always read the genre, but I'm also going to be, um, a judge and an upcoming, uh, up, upcoming, um, awards. <laughs> I said, yes. So I'm going to be reading, uh, it's not going to be a huge, not going to be a huge intake like some of the other ones I've done, but. I'm be reading for that, but uh, yeah, I I love the genre. I love to read. I wish I had more time to read. Um, I'm reading a great book by uh, Meg Gardner right now. Yeah, I know. I, I noticed she gave you a, a you had some great uh, uh, reviews from some some uh, awesome authors like Meg Gardner and I saw Michael Connolly. That's a, that's been pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've been really lucky. Uh, Robert Grace, Jefferson Parker, C.J. Box, among others. Just uh, uh, so elated to have anybody board me. I went with Meg lived, grew up in Santa Barbara and uh, I went to UCSB and she went there and taught there, I think um, for a time. So I thought it'd be cool to have her. And she was very um, gracious about it. They're all very gracious about it. It's a, it's a hard, you know, I, I, I'm with a mid tier publisher, so I'm, they, they do a really good job. Ocean view. They do a really good job of uh, pre-pub marketing and things like that. But there's a lot of things I have to do on my own, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so, I've been going to book signings um, for over 20 years. I've been, you know, you talk to the authors a little bit. And so through there comes some sort of relationships. I've been going to writers conferences, and you, you know, some sort of relationships with people. Cause I always try to ask somebody that I, I know at least a little bit. So it is, and it is, I understand, um, you know, I blur books too. I understand the drain of, of time it is, and it, it is a commitment. And, uh, and, and authors of much higher levels than me have much less time than I do to do, to do this stuff. So I'm always so grateful. It's always so cool, but it's, you know, it's, um, it's always, it's a tough thing. You know, you try to preface your email to them as be as, uh, aware of their lack of time as possible. Uh, Michael Connolly, I asked him, you know, he's got Bosch, he's writing two books a year. And he said to me, he goes, I'll, I'll do what I can. So I can't promise anything. So I thought, great. I understand completely. Don't worry about it. So uh, the weekend before my my uh, it was due for me to turn it in, he emails me and says, I'm about to get on a plane. <clears throat> I left the uh, ARC at home. Can you send me a PDF? And so I did. Sure enough, Monday, he got me, he got me a great blurb. Um, so that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he's one of my favorite authors. So yeah, I imagine how oh, yeah. exciting that must have been. <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of he's one of mine and everybody's favorite authors. And he's a very, a very nice guy. I don't really know him that well, but he's very generous with his limited time. He's a, he's a, and I found that through. I don't know if you have, but I found that through the entire uh, genre is like how how much other mystery authors. And I'll just say mystery as an overall, you know, encompassing thrillers, all every everything. I call it crime writing, but how um, how how every everybody in the genre is willing to help everybody else. It's really an amazing thing. I heard about it before I became involved in it. Um, but it is really true that um, mystery authors are some of the nicest people when it comes to helping other authors. And if you think about it, we're all really competing for shelf space. I mean, we're all our competitors, even though we're, we all admire everybody else. So it's really an amazing thing. And I'm really happy to be a part and do what I can to try to, um, you know, pass the torch. Yeah, that is. I had I have noticed that too. It's uh, it's amazing how uh, yeah everyone's so kind and helpful with their time and yeah, especially since uh, we're basically competitors. But All right, it's, uh, a helpful community. It's uh, pretty cool. All right, uh, Matt. Before I let you go, um, we have some, for our listeners who are aspiring writers. Uh, any advice for them? Yeah, I think I already said it. Is that you just have to you got you really have to do it. I mean, I, the, you know, I was I went to. Uh, classes at the University of San Diego, University of California, San Diego extension classes at night and took classes there. I mean, I learned the craft a little bit, but, but it, it really just comes down to putting your ass in the seat. You really have to do the work. You have to do it when it's easy. You have to do it when it's hard. And it, it takes a, a long time to, to, to get good at it. It's not as hard as golf, but it takes a long time to get good at it. And you just have to, I mean, when you're writing it, the first draft, you think, well, I'm a, I'm a genius. This is probably the best thing that's ever been written. And then you'll come to learn that it's not, it's in fact, it's not very good, but you have to, each time you get better, each time you touch, I think your manuscript, it gets better. And it's the hours. There's no, there's no easy way of getting around it. It's putting the hours in and, and, and find the joy in it. And if you were meant to do it, um, put the time in but it, it, it's it's a hard slog it takes time and effort right on the money <laughs> if, it, if, if it was easy everybody would be doing it right <laughs> right and it's very very financially rewarding you make so much money it's unbelievable oh yes yes that's the best part yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah if you want to get rich quick this is the business <laughs> <laughs> there's no better way <laughs> yeah and so the best place for listeners to find you is uh, your website's at maccoilbooks.com that's right. And I'm on Facebook. It's Matt Coyle. And I got an author page, Matt Coyle author. If you look at me on Facebook, you'll see a lot of pictures of my dog, Angus, on the couch. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm on Instagram, mcoyle044, I think. I don't do much there, but and I'm on, I'm on uh, Twitter. I can, I can forward things, retweet things. That's about it. All right. Well, thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.